Welcome out to Bodega Nights. I can't remember what episode this is. I think it's I am, episode two. All right, I'm Jao, and I'm joined by Miko and Paolo. Yo, hi. Otherwise known as the Cebu Crew or Sad. the Cebu Boys, because <laughs> like last time we did this, we were like in Manila. So, oh okay, yeah. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm Jao, and um, Miko, introduce yep. yourself. And what do you want the internet to know about you? What do I want the internet to know about me? That's an awful, awful question. I want them to know nothing and continue to know nothing except my opinions. So yeah, but yeah, uh, I'm a game, uh, I'm a hardcore gamer. I've done lots of strange things, have lots of weird hobbies here and there, and I am very, very anti-social. I want social media to know that. Which is why we're in podcasting. Yep. Hey, <laughs> right, Paolo, what do you want the internet to know about you? Hi, I'm Paolo Panganiban. <laughs> I am an unusual man with unusual interests. I game a lot. I also have a habit of reading art or reading stuff randomly. And if you will ever see me in the wild, I will be a giant green cat. Okay. How is GTA V? Ah, I, I'd like to tell you about the story of me get going to the lines for GTA V. It was such a horrible time, horrible, having to wait an hour plus just to get my copy as there were non-existent lines. Okay, okay, I actually went in the morning and, well, there was nobody that, nobody in the shop except one guy getting an iPad. That being said, GTA V's, it's awesome. Somehow it makes me nostalgia for my teenage years with uh, San Andreas. Okay, that's worried for a while because you had a very weird teenage life that reminds you of your childhood. <laughs> so, were you the guy, you know, wearing the dress, running around in the desert, or were you, you? No, which which would you like seem to attach more to? Because there are like three guys there, which make it really different from the other GTAs. Um, I attach more to Franklin, but that's mostly because he reminds he kind of reminds me of C of CJ, who doesn't want to be a gangster and is like twenty intelligence points smarter. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I mean, ah, but uh, for you, is this thing really up to the hype? I mean, everyone talked about spending so much cash in this, and I mean, I've heard about that, especially when it comes to a more recent, one, one of the older games at this point, which was uh, Modern Warfare 3, which they dumped, was it over 180 million on that one? Yeah, but did they, like, dump more into GTA? Oh, yeah, they dumped 280 million. But, uh, yeah. I mean, at Modern Warfare 3, it was 180 million, it was overhyped, and we end <sighs> up with essentially a graphically standard game that really didn't have anything to show for it. Is that what you felt with GTA V or is it really up to its hype? From what I could tell, the game lives up to its hype. If if we're going visually, this is by far one of the best looking GTA games that's out there. Until PC comes out, we make mods. Definitely, definitely. (laughs) Well, oh, and a message to Rockstar. Give us land or, well, don't (laughs) expect the other sales. Don't expect more sales if you don't give us land. Really? PC love. <laughs> Give us land. You will love you for it. PC. But then GTA has always been like, uh, console based, right? So, um, that, that is true, but I'm also going off of the precedent set by, uh, GTA 4. Their online mode, while it was only four players, also f- had a, f- had a feature that allowed them to do system link games, which is essentially like LAN, but for consoles. So you could have like four guys with four TVs and four Xboxes and then they could play in the basement together. No internet. We apologize for the squeaky floor. Yep. It's made of wood. 
But I mean, to go back to the, you're saying that it has a console basis, but you have to remember the old GTA was uh, top view, where yeah. your <laughs> character was a head, some arms sticking out, versus the newer ones, which is really a third-person style shooter, more similar to Hitman games, Gears of War. But especially when it came to driving and certain aspects with vehicles, it became harder and harder to control with the control i mean i'm sure that lots of console gamers will say otherwise i agree i mean i've done that but the average person will not have the same dexterity especially with the button demands um, and i mean the button demands when it comes to certain things yeah the pc jenny has a lot more options than what you can do versus the most consoles in f- well it, well you make a good point i mean especially considering that you could key a number of uh, functions onto like not mo- multiple adjacent keys is ne- near the ones you usually use. But with regards to driving in GTA 5, it's actually a lot more smoother. Oh, really? It's a lot smoother than it was back in San Andreas. I could tell you that because I, I did a bit of driving <laughs> around and my propensity for ac- for accidental vehicular mayhem was actually far less. So can you actually back up the car and not commit two murders? Yeah, but why would you want to do that? I mean, that's not... GTA. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, the cars still gain momentum so fast that you'll, you will hit something. Actually, GTA, come to think about it, like, before the show we were talking about, um, before we started recording, we were talking about games whose second one was your very first experience with the game. So, Street Fighter. Oh, Street Fighter 2. I mean, like, who played Street Fighter? Street Fighter? Who oh, played the first Street Fighter? Oh, you know, very, very sad people who thought Street Fighter 2 must be horrible. Yeah. yeah. GTA is like that. I guess you how say, so? I'm not, well, how so? I mean, weren't the first two games good? Yeah, but like with Street Fighter, it isn't whether the game was good or not. It is that nobody played the first one. You can have the most amazing first game that nobody played, and it still falls under that umbrella. Oh, okay. But actually, this is even more synonymous to Metal Gear. I mean, when people think Metal Gear is solid, the first thing that comes to mind is PlayStation One. <laughs> Two discs. You know, that's not the first Metal Gear. The first Metal Gear came out for the SNES, and that was around the I think it was the eighties. Correction. 90s? I'm not sure. It actually initially came out on the MSX. With, um, Hideo Kojima considered the NES version, you know, pretty bad. Wasn't it on the SN, on the SNES, not the NES? It, uh, Metal Gear was on the NES. Oh, okay, NES. But, my bad. How many people play the MSX? I mean. Most of them were Japanese guys, which is kind of why I'm happy that with the Legacy Collection, they released the MX, MSX version, version with it. So, but let's look at that as the NES version being essentially the one people played, and it was a bug-ridden game with the horrible translations, and anyone who played that one when they probably saw the Metal Gear for the PlayStation was really, really skeptical about this being a good game. So, kind of like Street Fighter. Oh yeah, no, Street Fighter 1, you played that, you probably would never play 2. But I mean, that's why, I mean, there's some games that the, they're lucky that the second one was so f- much far better, and everyone completely forgot about the first one, and no one asked, you know, where's Street Fighter 1? Or is this the first Metal Gear? You know, this just reminds me of the fact that a lot that a number of people complain about sequels about games when in reality a lot of the defining games in the world were actually sequels. I'm going off of a few examples here, like what you mentioned with Metal Gear Solid and what you mentioned with Street Fighter. But um, other notes were like the Mega Man series really started picking up once two and three came out. So you're saying that StarCraft is like the exception to the rule? Well, no, it's not the exception to the rule. It's more like, more like what I said about mine wasn't, what, what I was trying to say was that 
for a, a notable number of games, not every game. True, but I think what, that one really, uh, sorry to get in here, but uh, I think that's really more of the 80s, which was, I mean, right after the first gaming collapse, um, where people were forced to try to rethink things. Oh, okay. Um, actually, I think that would be the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I mean, those are times when you saw sequels being better because they had to reinvent games and they had to try out different things. And lots of times your first try is going to be bad. Yeah. But you hope it's just enough that you can get your second game. I mean, I think we can even see this in the Sonic series with Sonic 2. Yeah. Uh, Sonic 1, I mean, I'm a Sonic fan. I love Sonic games. I pr- I've played most of them except for a few, mainly because some of them are pretty bad. <laughs> or, not, or they weren't available to you. Oh yeah, I mean, I got only Sonic CD recently, but like Sonic Racer, I'm sorry, Sonic does not belong in the car. <laughs> he can oh, help okay. run the car. <laughs> but going that, uh, Sonic 2, I mean, introduced things that we never had in Sonic 1. One being Spin Dash. In fairness, I've, pl- I've actually played a, mo- a modified version of Sonic 1. Like this guy's stealth, he, ma- he managed to put Knuckles into Sonic 1 and retain the Spin Dash. I just realized that if I played the, the if I played Sonic One again, but only with Sonic, a lot of the a lot of the areas where I could re I I felt like I only could move forward using the spin dash. I think I'd have a real bad headache because of those. But there are also some games that it's. I mean, it takes up to maybe a third to fourth game to actually get up. I mean, same with Me- uh, Mega Man. I mean, Mario Mario One was nice. Mario Two, which is redebatable, which is the real Mario Two. <laughs> we yeah. have Mario Two in Japan, which is the real Mario Two, and the weird Mario Two where you played as Toad, Peach, Luigi, and Mario. Which what was it? Was Doki, a copy Doki, of, of Doki Doki, 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 Doki Panic? Yeah. Panic. A but when it came to Mario <laughs> Brothers Three, uh, that was really nice. Actually, I would say that the definitive version of Mario was the first one on the SNES. Okay. So, Super Mario World? Yeah. Yeah, the one where you had Yoshi. Like, Why? Because that was... You know, the, the, the first couple of Mario games were pretty much the same, right? Yeah. Okay. While Super Mario World was the first one that just looked amazing at the time. No, I mean, it, it held really well. I mean, some good games... I mean, graphics, nowadays graphics, the thing that, oh, it has to be graphically, no, I mean, it has to be aesthetically pleasing. Uh, you look at games like um, Super Mario World, Yeah, it looks great and even today. Yeah. I look at games even like the Sonic 3 and the Sonic 2, they're still pretty visually appealing now. Yes. Yeah. But you look at some games like, uh, I mean, some, not even that far back, uh, games like, uh, what's it, Dos X, with the Deus X? Deus X. Deus X. That game... In its time, it looked weird. It today, it still looks weird. <laughs> uh, it's a game that survived mainly because the story and gameplay was really interesting. But graphically, I, I don't think there's any time it was really that appealing. True. And in fairness, I know for a fact that, well, having played what was considered what was supposed to be considered the third sequel to like the graphical marvel known as Crisis. What's the third sequel? Crisis Three. Isn't that like the third Se- second sequel? Yeah, technically, yeah, go. Okay, <laughs> so it's like <laughs> so. Okay. I I I look at things right now, and I feel that the importance of graphics has it feels reduced right now. I mean, if we were living in a war, if we were living back in the world where Crisis launched, Crisis Three would be at, would at least you know be better received because of its you know graphical achievements and all. Crisis Three has. It's either been considered meh or bad. You know what? It, um, I can't remember where I read this, but or who said it. But when it comes to graphics, you feel for characters that either don't look like humans, yeah, or do look like humans. 
like really look like humans. But everything in between just really isn't anything. Like, well, you gave us like human and non-human. Yeah, but like, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a range. You know, like, like Mario. Anamorphic. No, like Mario. Yeah. Does not look human. Like, let's face it, Mario. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers show. (laughs) So, like, we, we, yeah. Well, he is a cartoon guy. To be fair, this feels like a discussion into going into the uncanny valley. Where, where, with regards to our ability to relate to the character, to characters, well, essentially there are like three points. One point is the point that happens before the valley, where we have characters with a human, with, um, human attributes. Yeah. That, that, you know, are appealing mostly because they're, they look clearly non-human, but they just act human enough to be endearing. Okay. Then we have the Uncanny Valley, where they essentially try their best to make the characters look human, but due to certain things like um, bad bad visual design or graphics, bad voice acting, and bad characterization or or janky movements, we end up with we end up with characters that actually turn us off. They we can't relate to them. In fact, they for some people they're actually plain scary. And then we go have the third point, which is true photorealism. But this isn't just a matter of graphics. To reach this, you also need good characterization, good acting, good voice work, and the movements need to look and feel natural. I think the key point here is in it has to be organic. I mean, uh, if we're looking at the games like from Mario to the modern ones, it's not a really fair comparison because Mar- games like Mario, Sonic, Dig Dug... When these games came out, I mean, everything prior to you didn't have an actual hero. I mean, you play games <laughs> like Asteroids, there was no real character. It was a spaceship. But yeah. when you had characters like Mario, Dig Dug, and Sonic, you had faces, you had personalities. So there was a development. But then, I mean, these guys feel like people because they felt organic. Their movements didn't feel glitchy. I mean, it was not because technology was bad. I mean, you saw games like, uh, I think the first adventure, one of the first adventure games on the Atari, on the Atari 2600, it still felt very organic. The movements were just clean with the limited graphics. But when things didn't feel organic, they felt very uh, rough in their movements. It just didn't work well. It felt rough, it felt unnatural, and it felt like something that you wouldn't want to be spending your time with. Like an example of this is there's some movie that there are Spirits Within. Spirits Within was a Final Fantasy Spirits Within was a movie and they <laughs> graphically they were amazing for its time. But people could not relate to it because as real as it looked, it didn't feel really organic. I mean you saw their actions, you saw their expressions, it felt so forced, so unnatural that we could not put ourselves in that. Essentially the uh, Final Fantasy the Spirits Within is the perfect example of a work that fits right into the middle point, straight into the uncanny valley. Mm -hmm. It just looked visually appealing, but it didn't feel organic. And the organicness is really what makes us attached to a person or attached to a character. Because really, I mean, we can't really share anything with Mario or Sonic. We're not an Italian plumber who goes through pipes and saves princess with, you know, the use of different power-ups. Nor are we a blue hedgehog who's trying to fight an evil man with robots. Seriously, no one can really relate to either. But it feels organic. It feels light. It feels real to us because the movements are not strange. There's things that make sense. We move the controllers, and it's very reactive. We we get the movement. And even with that considered, if we just look at the characters and we look at their expressions, they they're endearing to us. They feel endearing. They smile. 
well, it's not even because they smile, but it's also because of the way they show their expressions. It's clear. I mean, look at Conker. I mean, Conker's bad fur day. He does not smile at all. He's probably one of the most yeah, uh, he foul get- characters, but... <laughs> He gets drunk. We, we have this film because he feels so real. His movements don't feel unnatural. They feel correct and apt. And that's, I mean, a key thing. Even if you, even RPG games, which didn't have much graphics like Final Fantasy VI and prior, which, of course, they didn't, weren't 3D. Uh, 3D yeah, came yeah, up yeah. to 7 later, but you still had that feeling attachment because the text, everything felt organic. It felt like, ah, it doesn't feel sort. It doesn't feel like a Mary Sue thing that, oh, okay, this happened, you know? Not like Twilight and stuff like that. Yes, 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 yes. Where you feel like they're actual, not actual people, but what they're doing things maybe you might do in their circumstance. So they feel organic. Essentially, they don't, it's not that they are real, but it's that they feel real. Shout out, by the way, to Mocha, the dog. Mo- Mocha does that thing to, has a thing where she always barks at people she doesn't see every day. Yes, she, her short-term memory is, I think, like, only half a day, and then she'll, like, forget you and bark at you again. Huh. Well, last episode, we had Maui the dog, so... Was Maui this loud? Uh, she was actually really quiet. Oh. And the pizza guy, as well, was kind of... Loud. Oh, yeah, I saw that shout out pizza guy. <laughs> There's a... Oh, there was a pizza guy. Yeah, the pizza guy just showed up. He was like, hey, here's some pizza. Oh, okay. And we paid him, so... <laughs> Did you pay him in rupees? Why would I pay him in rupees? I don't know. It's like you, you. It's like easy money that you just get by smashing pots. So no, he means rupees from Zelda, not from I think, Indonesia or a place else. Uh, that was India. 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 Uh, Indonesia's rupee. You know, it's similar, but no, he means from the game. Yeah, yeah. From a psychotic man who likes cutting grass, pottery, and barging people's houses. But guys, you know, messed up. Yeah. The relatability comes from the fact that maybe you can actually relate to the character, but for video game characters, at least the older ones, there really was no real relatability to them. Uh, you could see it as like, hey, again, going to the old cars, Dig Dug, Mario, Sonic, these were the Bomberman. Pac-Man. Pac-Man. There was really nothing you could go here unless, you know, you were, um, uh, what, Yellow Circle in the club. Yeah. Chasing ghosts with pills. In fairness, <laughs> what they had... W- <laughs> <laughs> what they had was, well, they were endearing. They were not serious. They moved as you'd expected. They felt yeah. organic. You felt like you were actually part of it. And that has a lot to also do with the controls. That's why there's some games that look really nice, but the controls are just atrocious. Yes. <laughs> really, there's some games, some ports of games that are really bad. I mean, I remember Alone in the Dark, which I enjoy, but when it was ported to the Wii, y- yes, I got Alone in the Dark in the Wii. Don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> Wait, there was Alone in the Dark in the Wii? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like, hey, Alone in the Dark, this is interesting series. So I'll try it on the Wii. Oh gosh, it was horrible. Uh, the controls, Wait, is this the port of the 360 game? Yeah, except the 360 felt like a game. This one felt like a chore. Yeah, but or you had to do the yeah, to but check your items. You had to do this weird motion with your hands, like you're opening your jacket. Yeah, but even then, I hear the 360 game was weird. That's alone in the dark. But no, no, well, the, no, the not the Wii was yeah, the I, game no, killed I, itself with it, with a glitch. Yeah, I I know it's alone in the dark, but the thing is, I mean, felt weird in a bad way, even for people who are familiar with the original game on DOS. But hey, that was still up better than the one the week. I died more trying to get out of an elevator than any other thing in the entire series of Alone in the Dark for the week. That just reminds me. But I mean, that's an example of you know, bad controls. But not saying that motion controls are bad. I mean, motion controls are tricky and it's hard for games to use them effectively but there have been a number of games that use it well uh zelda for the wii skyward used, sword uh, skyward sword used it well even the twilight princess used it really well wait did? yeah you actually did have motion controls for sword if you actually want you could also go to just full full controller yeah 
But I mean, those games use it really well. But, uh, you know, you can have a nice looking game, but the controls don't feel right. It's a big killer. I mean, this is also why lots of the older gamers never ever enjoyed wireless anything. Wireless mouse, wireless keyboards, wireless controls. There was this 0.5 second or 0.1, 0.5 second delay. Yeah. And they'll be like, you don't notice that. Like, oh, of course you did. You ask anyone going this thing, that 0.1 second, you're going to feel it. Ask any racing gamer that 0.1 second, oh gosh, oh, it's going to beat them up. Uh, RTS 0.1 seconds gets you off in the bad way. I mean, it gets yeah you yeah your micro is messed up. Your well, a lot of stuff. And is well, okay, you think the 0.1 second you don't even notice that, but when you go in this zone, it is the slowest thing ever. I mean, that's why when it comes to LAN or online gaming, so we had the ping wars where you try to make sure your ping's under a hundred because anything above a hundred, you're pretty much dead. Oh gosh, that's just oh gosh. And then the controls, they had to, that's why going back to it, organic has to do a lot with the controls. The movement has to feel right. And also the way you control them has to feel natural. If you have those things, then yeah, you'll attach more to the character because for the older games, you feel like you're living through his life. So, hey, I'm the hero. But you play other games, the newer ones, especially RPGs. Uh, I mean, uh, one that's being really hailed right now, Last of Us, is you felt like there were actual people that you could relate with to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why you got it. And the controls are right. Everything that the store is good. But it breaks down to it. If the, if Last of Us was just a simple, you know, uh, zombie killing type game similar to Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead, we still have that feeling of endearment to characters mainly because it felt normal, it felt real, and well, didn't have any real major story in Left 4 Dead. True, but that but the char- but the characters in Left 4 Dead were characterized well. Yeah, that's if you actually looked into the characters much. I mean, well, to- lots of times people who played LAN, we were just playing, you know, <laughs> us, and it just felt uh, natural how we were moving. Well, true, but the consideration here is the way they talked and their mannerisms given by the voice. Which, you know, it goes back to the whole endearment talk. But when we play Left 4 Dead, do you get the feeling that, you know, you're playing as them? Or, like, say when Miko's down, are we saving, you know, that fat black guy? Or are we saving Miko? We're saving... Uh, okay, but I'll save Zoe every single time. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, in that regard, we're saving Miko, but... but in that regard, yes, we're saving Miko. And in that regard, playing la- the playing games on playing, yes, we're actually looking at the characters as you know the people who are playing them. But still, but still, the 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 characters we play on play on play as give give these uh, mannerisms and speak in this certain fashion that at least makes them feel more than just random player avatars. No, but I think maybe that case with the voice acting applies more to the single player experience when it comes to LAN. I think yeah. it brought more down to organic movement and controls because really, when like when we play uh, Call of Duty and when we play other games with voiceovers that you could actually um, hear, actually you hear us screaming at each other more than you hear. Um, actually, th- actually, there's a difference there with um with Left 4 Dead. The the mannerisms and the vo- voicing of the characters at least differentiates with each of them. Call of Duty, it's pretty similar, yeah. It's actually so similar that the only difference is accent. Hmm. I'm Middle Eastern. I am American. <laughs> I am Russian. And I am British. But I mean, even those games, like, uh, yeah, but like when they played Left 4 Dead, this was me, Norm, John, Yashat, the guys, Manila. Uh, <laughs> what I remember specifically wasn't the banter of their characters talking to each other when they found pills. It was Norm going to John saying, do you have pills? Great. How do I give this to you? Oh, give left click. 
What's um, the norm? Swallows the pills. <laughs> well, okay, you make a good point there, but then again, I think we're already starting to go into a discussion of the differences between what happens in the game and what we and what our own experience are experiences are during the time we play the game. Ah, uh, true, true. But still, the this goes also goes back to the fact that the controls feel right. I wasn't disputing that. Mm. But you know, just saying. I mean, one of the key things also is the controls. Control cause... actually is very important, mostly mostly because it kind of affects your ability to con- interact, interact, live in the world, interact, live, and connect. Let's let's put some some perspective. Let's say if Rayman didn't control well, would you be able to? Would you be able to con- connect or find endearing in any way the character of Rayman without his, without, you know, the connections between his, uh, with his hands and his main body? Well, I'll say this, if the controls will play well, I probably won't play the game. Yeah, which so, also defeats the purpose of even trying to connect with the character because no one would want to connect with a character in a game that is, well, unplayable. So, can you have a game? Without story or without like a narrative. Oh, of course. A game that relies purely on gameplay without any sort of narrative whatsoever. It's called Minecraft, I think. One of the big ones right now. It has no real narrative whatsoever. I mean, you're literally plopped in the world, figure it out. But like Minecraft isn't really fun unless you have like the meta narrative. So, um, um, you think of sandbox games, really? Um, it, yeah. In this consideration, are we discussing sto- the store stories that the game is trying to portray to us, or are we trying? Are we discussing the stories that the game allows us to make? You see, can we have a game devoid of both? So of it's the ability to make the game and the everything like that. and the ability uh, yeah, to make we're talking about Left for Dead. Like, well, you know, I guess that will revert back to some of the older, more you know, time killing games. I mean, games like Tetris, uh, Breakout, Minesweeper. I mean, people Even- could say there's a story, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Same with um, Tetris is. I think there is for- no story in Tetris. I uh, think you're forgetting Space Invaders. No, no, Space Invaders, Space Invaders has, has a story. story. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, okay. Asteroids didn't, I think. Asteroids had... You were just kind of stuck in the middle of the thing because, I know, you're a bit of an idiot. I'm in the middle of the asteroid. What do I do? I'm going to blow stuff up. I should leave, but... Nah, America. But that counts as a story. Like, a guy stuck in the middle of an asteroid field. He's not even stuck. He can go around. Well, yeah, but, you know... <laughs> a guy finds himself in the middle of an asteroid field, needs to destroy the asteroids to get somewhere. Yeah, like beginning, middle, end. Like, your premise is, dude, I'm stuck in an asteroid field... And, um, like, I forgot how to turn. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we go back to that. I mean, time-killing games. Tetris, Breakout. Uh, some yeah, people yeah. can say Minesweeper has a story. They did make, uh, like, a trailer for it. Okay, no, that, was, that was like a <laughs> college that was a college humor that, thing. That, that, was, was, that was funny. I would have watched that movie. Like, I would have watched I mean, that I need movie. to watch that movie. And guess it. These are the very basic things. I mean, like, uh, one of the very first games being Tennis. Uh, that was played on radars. That It didn't really have a story. It was just basic mechanics, and it was fun. Uh, Tetris was a single-player game, and Breakout was a single-player. Could be multiplayer. Even Pong, to an extent, you know, was a storyless game. Some people say, you know, it's about the story of one man trying to accomplish things with a paddle. <laughs> okay. But no, I mean, these were, but these were very basic games when they were still becoming new. This is uh, prior the gaming, the uh, first fall of gaming, which was uh, around the... 83. 
83, yeah, that's uh, after when Atari started, th- started thinking, you know, we need money, make a random game. Yeah, that's when the fall video games came, <laughs> and it was saved by, you know, a specific Italian plumber. No, I'm yeah. a Sonic guy, but I'll give Mario that, that he's one of the ones that we pulled it out and of uh, this horrible, horrible situation you're in. Yeah, uh, because, you know, he pulls stuff out of pipes. Yep. <laughs> Wait, doesn't Sorry. he bop people? But of course, no, Nintendo is also the cause of the next decline of gaming. I will not call it a fall, but it was a major decline with the introduction of the Wii. Which, hey, the Wii, it was a mix. Some people say, hey, Wii's great because it made gaming. Based. So, okay, I mean, ga- being a gamer suddenly didn't seem so bad because, I mean, all gamers above 22 probably know this that, uh, being a gamer was a bad, was pretty much a stigma. Well, uh, yeah. people didn't respect if you're a gamer. But when the Wii came out and suddenly gaming was okay from everyone from little kids to, you know, grandfathers, uh, they said, hey, being game's not so bad. But then we saw a major decline because suddenly, yeah, they could cater to this gigantic market and the core market was sort of forgotten. I mean, we saw this very heavily with the games from Wii, which, I mean, there are a few that we could relate to. I mean, but, the usual titles, the Zelda, Mario, uh, and such. But when you think of titles some- like Nintendo Basically, basically the pro- prognosis. Oh, no, games. The essentially the prognosis there was that if if I had to go by my generous rough estimates, only twenty percent of the Wii library could be said to have any appeal for the for the core market. And I say this because I also bother to look into niche titles and imports. At the same, however, the other eighty percent, you know, the eighty percent that every that everyone will readily see because you know not. Because you know there'll be there will be a lot of leftover copies of those games on store shelves. They're shovelware. Yeah, and I mean that's similar to what Atari happened, where people thought, "Hey, there's so much. This is a huge market. Let's make a game. We'll make money." Because suddenly, as long as you make it for everyone, hey, these little kids, let's make a game for little kids. Parents are going to buy it because the parent is not, you know, good parents are not going to get GTA for their kids. Don't do that. You give your kid GTA and you start complaining that he does these tr- strange things. Look, uh, I know video games don't promote violence, but uh, you shouldn't really give certain games to certain ages of kids. Yeah. Uh, don't it, give your kid Mortal Kombat. It, Wait until, you know, maybe past 10, 12. But then, um, you're making the direct correlation between the Wii, the PlayStation, the Xbox, whatever, when you really can't because they have different core markets. They do. It, but it's, remember, we had the PS Move. Then for the, well, Nintendo, well, Nintendo Wii, for and Xbox, it had to connect. I mean, the, once the motion controls came in, this was because of the Wii. And that still included the client because, honestly, motion games, there's not really much you could do with them, honestly. Uh, motion games, what? what's the most common game was what? The dancing stuff. In, fair, in fairness, but I think the motion, But then the motion controls didn't affect the overall quality of the games on the PlayStation and the Xbox. No, but remember, the PlayStation suffered such a huge library problem for the first few years. That actually wasn't related to the move. The library problem was actually between 2006 and 2008. The decline of the PlayStation, or like its initial problems with library, was more because of Blu-ray than it was anything else. It, it, it actually was due to a number of reasons. Blu-ray was one of them. It was because of the fact that the format was relatively new, so it was expensive. Another one was the cell processor on this thing was pretty hard to um, develop for. It wasn't until 
2008 that developers actually started getting around to using it. And even then, those were, those versions were always considered inferior. I think the most popular examples being Bayonetta and Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> but going back with the Nintendo Wii really did bring gaming to decline because for the exact reason we thought it would improve. By removing the stigma, by making it so open, we felt like, hey, well, now people now see there is a market and they'll start producing good games. But well, it ended up becoming, we, like you said, we had 80% of shovelware. Yeah. And lots of people started seeing games as that. Uh, with the PlayStation, they did have a very good core, but the nice thing with the PlayStation was they had so much people developing games for the older one. And as you said, in PS2, when they actually got the hang of it, yeah. they started expanding the library. Microsoft, well, I'm sorry, Microsoft is a PC with a remote control. Um, uh, it, Xbox is a PC with a remote control. Then again, it's a totally different market. Yeah. Um, what's his name? The CEO of Nintendo, uh, S- um, Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, yeah. He he pretty much said that we Nintendo, make toys. Yeah, they are in the business of making toys. And they and the he and I think it was. It was also Miyamoto who said that contrary to what a number of the, a number of, uh, number of, uh, big developers have been saying about the whole argument of games as art, Miyamoto went against that by saying, we are not in the business of making art, we are in the business of making games. I'll agree to that, but man, the general view of the public is they see it all as one thing. It's if- weird. It is really weird because I would think that we as a society should be at the point where Video games have become so ubiquitous because of guys like Nintendo. There shouldn't be a stigma around it because everybody sees us 20-somethings okay even though we grew up playing video games. I mean, there's still that uh, stereotype yeah. of that guy, that kid in the basement or, the, or that 20 or so guy in the basement playing MMOs or playing any other game on, online or any other type of game. I mean, that's for a long time, that's still a fish of your gamer. I mean, even the movie Gamer <laughs> uh, portrayed, you know, a guy playing a second lifestyle game. And he was, you know, the stereotypical uh, overweight guy pretending to be a girl online. And that's still one of the big views of it. Or sometimes you have that loser kid who does really nothing but play games. Or even, you know, the employee being the minimum wage employee who just plays games. It's never been shown as... No, the average person, like the athlete, the CEO, uh, other people, like athlete, CEO, the average housewife or average people playing games, it's always been these almost delinquent South people as a stereotype. And because that there's still a minor stigma, it's not as bad anymore as before. Nowhere near as bad but, as it was uh, back in the 90s and 80s. Oh, back then it was really, really bad. Uh, they saw you as you're wasting your whole life and there's nothing to come out of this. Lift and behold, now we actually have professional gaming circuits where, well, it's a short life. I mean, things like three to five years for your career. Yeah. But, I mean, the stigma isn't completely gone, but it's much better. I in mean, f- in fairness, I have, to, I have to also point out with regards to the stigma there. It also kind of depended, depended also on the culture where you lived in. Because a lot of what you're saying right now, I can easily see happening in in America especially but depending on other culture on the nature of certain other cultures I've I've actually seen well pretty different Korea well there was oh, Korea there was uh... Korea there's Korea there's well I can't even I can't really describe here it's weird but the problem in the Philippines is our gaming culture developed Unusually, I mean, uh, the first arcades were in Manila, and yeah. these were the coin-operated ones with Pac-Man, uh, Pac-Man Space Invaders, Pong. Uh, the time I think games really became something big here was actually with the PlayStation, uh, sad because of pirated games. I mean, um, back when we were kids, uh, also- having five games for your system 
was oh, amazing. Think, yeah. <laughs> Wait, wasn't it also big? True. And Game Boys, you know, one out of one to one hundred games. Yeah, but and fortunately in the, in Asia, I mean, the what became big was when we had pirated things. I'm sorry, big developers. I still do buy your games, and you are awesome. Um, uh, you know that just make reminds me of the. That just reminds me of some of you know a discussion in Zhao and I had about um piracy and games, especially in this country and for the most part Southeast Asia. As far as I know, the paying customer in this region is a new phenomenon, really. Well, true, but last times because we, I mean, before the recent like amount of data blitzes and all these video game shops, where could really read buy much games? It wasn't even. Lo- it's not just location. It's also the fact that uh. It's all, it's probably also correlated with the fact that we have better minimum wages now than we than we had in the past. I mean, well, that and games are a lot cheaper now before in the past. I mean, before there was a pretty big investment into getting these things. Basically, if you wanted to get a game, if you wanted to get get a games console, you're essentially sacrificing all of your use all of your you know your ex your extra income on it. It was essentially like. You're you're essentially putting a lot of your resources behind it. That ap- afterwards, buying games at high prices seemed very counterintuitive because of the initial cost that you have with the with console. The console, yeah. So that's kind of how I felt back in the day when I got my PS2. It's like essentially that's that's why buying games at full price felt well. It didn't exactly feel intuitive back in the day. I mean, I I should say in sentence where things were expensive, but when I actually did try making video games, I mean, uh, that time when I discovered one month of work barely gave me one hour of gameplay, I felt really bad when I like, purchased yeah. anything. Then that's, I mean, prior then I did buy original games. I did have a few pirate copies, but when I did enjoy the game, I did make sure to really buy the actual copies. But there were some games that were, well, back then, I mean, we didn't have really access to magazines, internet access about games, so there were, you kind of risked a lot yeah, buying a game and at, hoping it was good. Especially at full price. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were like a number of games I bought full price that I wish I never, ever got. Uh, some people hate me for this, but I did not really enjoy Killer Instinct. Uh, Killer Instinct 1, I found it really, really off as a fighting game, and I hate how I spent so much money getting that one. Wow, you're just making me feel lucky that I borrowed Killer Killer Instinct from my cousin. But just so people know, I mean, with Killer Instinct, I played Street Fighter 2. I also had the older Tekkens, and I also played on the Mortal Kombat series. So I found Killer Instinct a little too simple. That I felt like I spent good money on a game that really didn't challenge me. And like other games, like the Mortal Kombat series, which was really nice. And same with Tekken. So you don't like Dive Kick? Oh, no, 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 Dive Kick has a, okay, Dive Kick's a whole different world. Where it's just like, it, it's one of those, you know, those joke games people make, but it's just so awesome because it's so weird. I mean, like a Surgeon Simulator 2013. Yeah. Yeah. That's a game that was just a joke on the fact that games are trying to become super realistic. I mean, it was really bad. It was made because games are going super realistic, so it was a joke of it all. But people love it because it was so bad. bad. It was so bad, it was good. Not not E.T. bad. I mean, this was just (laughs) bad, but in a weird, fun way that you try to see, how can I mess something up that seems pretty simple? I am going to pick up this drill. Nope. Nope. Okay, I'm going to pick up this scalpel. Okay, Wolverine. Let's take out that heart. (laughs) Or, or, you know, like, games like Quop. 
Co-op. Co-op was also another joke of super illicit games, which, you know, it's called Co-op because you use Q-W-O-P. I think it was Space Wars that also used, or is it Co-op? The spoilers. But that was to control uh, feet, uh, the feet, the thighs, and things, just to have some weird running motion. And it was definitely the most complicated thing to do, the most simplest task in any other game. I mean, run was for if you're a con- if you're a PC player, it was W. If you're for a console player, it was the joystick forward or directional pad. This one made the act of running the most complicated thing ever. It was so bad, so strange. People just loved it. it graphics some- weren't that good either, huh? Oh no, graphics was what something I'll paint. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, it was like paint graphics, man. It was really bad, but uh. <laughs> Again, it was essentially trying to be... It was a purposely made bad game that was done right. Hmm. I mean, Surgeon Simulator, I mean, it's again, yeah, it's exactly. a simple thing. And there are other games that just, you know, you have no idea why they're popular, but because there's an actual market, uh, this being Farm Simulator 2013, which is a sequel. Yeah. It is a sequel. People don't really know this. It's a sequel of, uh, of, of Farm, Farm Simulator 2011, if I remember. So how many Farm Simulators have there been? I think this is the second one. Uh, I might be the third, but the uh, thing is there, it's a core. people think it's one of those games that says a joke. You play it because, hey, it's funny. No, this has a pretty serious core market of farmers. And they have about 100 mods, all of which are legitimate. There was not one single mod I expected, such as, you know, things that you might see with five fingers or... But no, these were very legitimate mods. I mean, there were... Turnips and stuff. Us, like, no, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> really the one, serious. Wait, was there winter wheat? Yes, there was actually... <laughs> winter like, crops. seasons and things. And so it was a very serious core market. Same with the train simulator, which... And is the most expensive game ever if you get every single DLC because that'll cost you over $10,000 with all the DLC. You know, you're just also reminding yeah. me that Euro that uh, Euro Truck Simulator is making the waves in Steam. Euro Truck Simulator? I haven't heard of that. No, it's like you're essentially a trucker in Europe. Okay, you're just delivering supplies. Yeah. So it's like the world's longest marathon race. Essentially, because you're, it's like... I imagine like... Oregon Trail without the dysentery. <laughs> it just reminds me of friggin... I rem- I think of truckers in the US, and then suddenly I think of those truckers with uh, German accents going around the European Union. Actually, I've seen that game, and it is actually really good. Oh, that's interesting. Like, you can actually go on actual roads. Like, they recreated you know, the countryside. So it's stuff. like the flight simulator games, but for trucks. Yeah. Wow. Pretty much. Okay. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's, yes, that's what There is a core market for this. <laughs> oh, but okay. these are games that well, people think are made so weird, but no, there really is a core market, which tells you, you know, there are pretty strange gamers out there. But going back to games like Co-op or uh, Surgeon simulator, simulator, these games were purposely made bad just out of fun or as a joke to over-realistic games. Farm Simulator in the Philippines. Coconuts. Right. You know, get Carabao, then you have probably the MNLF coming in to take your stuff. Got to play... Or the NPA. Yeah, you know, you got to pay your protection, ta- protection fee. No, that's the real Farm Simulator if you have it here. Yeah. Actually, I wouldn't mind having a mod like that. Or you'd have... <laughs> <laughs> what, an, an, an NPA mod? No, yeah, no, like, you know... You gotta pay your protection fees. I mean, this and what okay, so in the Philippines, we don't have the. We're not talking about like illegitimate crops or anything. These are like no corn, rice, corn. and yeah, you are paying protection fee to these different groups who are essentially terrorizing your area. Well, essentially, on the one hand, there's like um the MNLF, and on the other hand, there's the NPA, a NPA right? short the for com- for communists. <laughs> <laughs> NPA short for communists. <laughs> <laughs> 
I really have... love that game though. Like Farm Simulator Philippines, you get like uh, a cross between Farm Simulator and Call of Duty and Far <laughs> and Far Cry because of the tropical setting. Imagine that. You know? <laughs> I play that. I don't know if that game would actually be though called realism or absurd. I'm sure it will sell outside. It's just some absurd, weird thing. Okay, we gotta sell our cops and fight back the terrorists. <laughs> yeah, dude, think about it. You got communists, Islamist rebels. That's Call of Duty plus Farm Simulator plus Far Cry because of tropical backgrounds. Hmm. Hey, you know we're gonna probably have some illegal hunting going on there. <laughs> that or that or illegal ranching of Tamaraus. Well, theoretically, you should be able to just pay them off. So if that comes as part of your farm simulator experience, I, you don't have to learn how to use a gun. Like, that's still a legitimate sort of tech path, you know? <laughs> true, true. I've spent all my points on improving my farm and or, getting a better bottom line. But I worry the NPA will ask for more and more money every single time. Or, you know, or, you know, like, have your farm in Cebu and have, like, only, like, 1% of the yield that you would have had in Negros. Yeah, because we're a limestone island. <laughs> oh, at least you at least you'll have enough sugar to feed a town. Cebu mod for the farm city. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have enough sugar yeah. to feed a town and nothing more. Actually, but going to mods, I think mods are one of the things that show that your game's a success. The yeah. fact that your community is willing to spend time to make mods and things. You know you're in the right path. And I mean, that's one major reason Counter-Strike and Half-Life... Well, I shouldn't say Counter-Strike. Half-Life. Half the Counter-Strike is a Half-Life mod. What? This reason why Half-Life survived for so long was... It had such great community support. I mean, some of the best games came out of Half-Life. It's yeah. still alive. Yeah. Half-Life 3, come on, come on. <laughs> come on, come on, Gabe. We know you want to. But my mods... waiting for them to learn how to count to three. But that... I come on, you're already teasing us with that's with uh, uh, Left 4 Dead 3. Just give us the half life. What do you got? Mods really for me are the ultimate show that you've done good. Uh, let's end it with that. Yeah, let's end it with that. Mm. So, what's our end thing? <laughs>